So I'm going to read uh, verse 8 from our section, uh, from our passage today as we uh, get started. Uh, if you would stand in reverence to the reading of God's perfect word. And again, we're going to look at verses 4 through 15. But hear the word of God from verse 8, Luke chapter 8. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Oh God, we pray as we look at your word together that that would be true. That there would be those here today who have ears to to hear about the kingdom of Christ. Who have ears to to understand what it means to follow Christ. And, And God, you would open up their hearts And like a seed planted inside of them, the kingdom, your word, would be implanted and begin to grow, would begin to bring forth fruit. God, we we want to know Jesus more. God, we've all gathered here for different reasons, different purposes. But at the end of the day, I pray that we would know Jesus. We would know him as Savior, as King, as Lord of glory. And we would follow Him with all of our lives. We would surrender obedience to Him. And we would trust Him no matter what. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This fall, Patrick Fusen and I... Some of you just laughed when I said Patrick Fusen. <laughs> we seated my front yard... One week, we aerated the front and side yard. Another week, we rented a power seeder and seeded the front and side yard. Some of the grass seed fell in an area of our yard where there are walnut trees and there are walnut shells everywhere and those seeds will not grow. Some fell on a concrete sidewalk in our driveway, and those seeds will not grow. Some of the seeds, actually, because of all of the intense rain we've had, have washed around to the back of the house, and because it has rained so much, we have a uh, leach field from our septic tank out back that is oversaturated, and the back of my yard looks like a lush golf course in the middle of winter. Some of the seed washed into the creek behind our house, and some of the seed went into the ground in the front of the house and will already, in some sense, begin to grow. Be warned, if you don't understand that, you will go to hell. Now, that's a really odd way to start a sermon, right? But that is exactly what Jesus does in this parable. He talks about someone sowing seed and then says, if you don't understand this, you don't understand the kingdom. It's what he does with all of the parables. And it's very interesting because when we think about parable as a story, we think Jesus is telling a story so we understand better. And yet it's the opposite with parables. 
Jesus realizes in his presence, in the crowds before him, there are people who are rejecting him. There are people who are going to kill him. There are people who want to use him for their own purposes. And then he just throws out these almost senseless stories about farming. He talks about business investments. He tells parables about weddings. He tells parables about farm animals, sheep and goats. He, he, he tells parables about pearls and treasures. And they almost come out of nowhere. What, what, are, what are you talking about? Where did this story come from? And then he'll turn around and say, and if you don't understand it, you don't understand the kingdom, and you're probably going to hell. And that's shocking. That, that even startles us. But that's exactly what Jesus does in the parables. Now, a parable is a story uh, or an illustration that's thrown alongside a spiritual truth. And Jesus always tells the parables directly to His disciples. There may be a crowd of people present, but He tells the parables, these stories like we're going to look at today, in crowds of people, but He speaks them directly to His disciples. And they always have to do with the kingdom that is present. And His point is, the kingdom is present like a parable. And some people see it, and some people don't. And today we look at the parable of the sower. Notice verse 4, Jesus and the crowds. Notice He says verse 4, And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to Him, He said a parable. Now, to the disciples, that makes no sense. Because again, a parable was to hide the truth. And you have these great crowds of people before you. Jesus is preaching and teaching from village to village to village, town after town. And His reputation is getting ahead of Him. He is the latest, greatest podcast preacher of the day. His sermon clips are being retweeted. They're being shared on Facebook. People are talking about this man with such power and authority. And he speaks and he heals people and he touches and he heals people. And nature obeys him and demons bow before him. And he's coming to our city. He's coming to our town. And people are flocking out to hear him. And he says, okay, I'm going to tell them a story. They're not going to understand. And the disciples are like, what are you doing? Notice verse 5. A sower went out to sow his seed. And he, as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock. And as it grew, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns. And thorns grew up and choked it. And some fell into good soil. And it grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, he who has an ear, let him hear. Now notice the story. It's just about grass seeding. It's just about seeding for a harvest. Probably not grass. But it, it just a sower went out, and as sowers do, had a bag, reaching in the bag, throwing out seed in his field that had probably been plowed. And some of the seed was blown onto a path, and it didn't grow. And some of the seed fell on some rocks. And it looked like it was going to grow, but it didn't grow. And then some seed, 
Some seed fell and there there was some hope there, but all of a sudden the thorns that you didn't see at first began to grow faster than the seed and choke the seed out. If you don't understand that, you don't understand the kingdom. That's all he does. And the disciples are, what are you doing? What are you talking about? It would be like me stopping today and saying, we have a lot of restaurants in Richmond. We have a lot of restaurants that sell chicken. We have Cane's, and we have Zaxby's, and we have Chick's Wings, and then we have Chick-fil-A. Be careful how you eat. That's exactly what Jesus is doing here. Right, Kyle? I didn't even get an amen. His disciples are, what are you talking about? Notice verse 9. And when his disciples asked him, what, what, what does this parable mean? They, they literally say, what is wrong with you? What are you babbling about? We, we see people sowing seed all the time. It would be like around here in the spring, driving through a neighborhood and see someone, seeing someone mow their yard. That's just an everyday occurrence. We see it all the time. Okay, we get it. Don't throw seed on paths. Don't throw seed in rocks. Don't throw seed in thorns. And and then he quickly changes the subject, verse 10, and he says, okay, there's something more going on here to you, to the disciples, to to his closest followers, the twelve here, and, and those who were closely aligned to his ministry. He calls them together with all the commotion going on around them, and he says, here's what's going on. I've just illustrated what you see before you. To you has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom. There is a kingdom right here like a seed being planted. As Jesus would go about and heal and teach and display great signs and wonders, He gives us a window into the coming kingdom. And He says to His disciples, it's here, it's here. You see the kingdom. You see it. They don't see it. But you see it. And what's that like? It's like a sower going out and throwing seed. And it's planted within some, but some reject it. And some don't see it, even though they do see it. Notice he says, for others, they are in parables, an allegory, a mystery that they don't understand, even though they see signs and wonders, even though they hear me teach and preach, and the sounds of my voice go in their ear, bounce around their eardrums, create sounds in their head that make sense out of words and concepts. They hear it all, they see it all, but they don't see and they don't hear. They don't understand the kingdom even though the kingdom is right in front of them in my presence. That's what you're seeing. You're seeing the kingdom being sown, but it's not being planted within everyone. They don't see it. You have folks who are listening to Jesus going, He's a blasphemer. He says He's the Son of God. You have religious elite who are seething. They are wanting to kill Him. They have read their Old Testament and they know it better than anyone. 
They have it taped to their forehead. They've memorized it. The law of God that they love is standing before them in Jesus, but they don't see it. And they can't hear it, even though they've seen it. And even though they've heard it. And and Jesus says there is a form of judgment that is passing right over them. You do realize, as we just heard sung, the Word of God never returns void. It never does. We have to correct ourselves. I do in the response time here so often when I say, respond to the Word of God. You are responding. You're responding right now. I'm responding as I teach and preach. The Word of God is doing something right now as you hear it, as you hear it preached, as you pray it, as you sing it. It does not return void. It is either saving some, changing hearts, or judging others. And Jesus says that's what you see right before you. There are hearts of people being judged as they hear and see the Word of God. You be careful how you hear. If you have ears to hear, you better hear. If you have eyes to see, you better see. There are folks that will kill Jesus even though they see Jesus in front of them as the kingdom of God that they've longed for. You have religious zealots. You have political zealots who come from these villages to see Jesus. And they are longing for a king to overthrow Rome. And Jesus presents all of their hopes and dreams. He's going to be our king. He's going to overtake Rome. And he gets to Jerusalem and they turn their back on him. You're not the kind of king we thought you were going to be. You have folks from these towns and villages who are just marred with sickness and disease and they're hearing about Jesus healing others and they run out to Him like some magician who's going to take care of all of their problems. And they're seeing something else and not seeing who Jesus is. And what Jesus says to all of those people who don't get it, the kingdom is passing over them in judgment. They don't really believe in Me. And the fact that they see and don't see and hear and don't hear, it's a sign of their judgment. It's a sign of their rejection. And the same thing's happening here right now within the sound of my voice. Some of you showed up here today and you're just trying to get your life right. Some of you showed up here today and Jesus is just another good thing that you tack onto your life week after week. Some of you have all these Bible studies that you do. And it's a list of things that you do every week to say, this is my Jesus. And you, even though you heard, memorized, and seen Jesus over and over, you don't see Him. And it's a sign of judgment that you really don't believe in Him as a personal Savior. Some of you here today, Jesus is just your mascot. He's your mascot for doing good things. You have Him in your about on Facebook. He's sort of the logo of your conservative, religious, political party. And and, and without Jesus, it really doesn't make sense to be aligned with this group of people. And you say the name of Jesus, but you don't know Jesus. And some of you here today, you're what we would call a therapeutical deist. Meaning, you think the world revolves around you and Jesus exists to make it easy for you. And you're trying to tack Jesus onto your life. And Jesus says, you see me and you hear me, but you really don't see me or hear me. And how does that work out? He explains it to his disciples here. He says, be warned. Now, some of us, that that felt like a punch in the gut. 
But, but there's great hope as we move through this parable. There's great hope that you would not miss Jesus. The reason He tells the parable to us today is that we wouldn't miss Him. And that's why He explains in verse 11. Now, the parable is this. I'm going to explain it to you. The crowds that day, they didn't get the explanation. Only the disciples did. So if you're here today and we're going to move through these verses, you get the explanation. And in this explanation, you are going to get a detailed description of your heart. You're going to fall into one of these categories. So here, as we move through what your heart looks like, notice verse 11, the seed of the word. This is the parable. The seed of the kingdom that is being preached, that is to implant in our hearts and grow the kingdom when we believe Jesus is Savior and King who died for our sins and will rule forever and we bow before Him. The seed of the Word, the ones along the path that the seed of the Word is sown are those who have heard. They hear, they hear sounds, but then notice the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. This is the heart that is trampled and trodden down like a path around the field. And it's so easy for Satan to swoop in and cause this heart to question what is true. It's easy pickings for Satan. The heart is so hard that when the word of God lands on it, it doesn't rest it doesn't settle. It doesn't penetrate. Satan swoops in and he calls you to, just like he did in the garden, question, is this true? Is God really good? Or is there something better than this? Something better than Jesus? Something better than the kingdom? And be warned. Be warned. It's happening right now in some of your hearts you've immediately started saying, I don't think this is true. As I have explained the danger of unbelief, you are saying, that's stupid. Of course I believe. As I have explained your rejection, you are digging in in your rejection. And you're saying, oh, I can, I can have Jesus however I want Him. And you're beginning to believe the lies of Satan. And you are saying to yourself, I don't know why I came here today. I don't know why I keep coming here. These people are crazy. This message is nuts. I'm going to find an easier way to be happy on Sunday morning. I'm going to find a better thing to do than hear this word. I'm going to run from this word. I'm going to find a new group of friends. I'm going to find some new group of things to do. And you know what's happening in your heart right now? Spiritual warfare. Satan and the forces of darkness are swooping in and you think you're in control. You think you're in control and you're not. You're not in control. There is someone else who you are a slave to and his name is the devil. And he is swooping in and he is pulling the gospel from your heart every time you hear it. Every time you hear it here, every time you hear it in that crew meeting, every time you hear it at the BCM, every time you see it across your Facebook status or someone else's, every time you see it, he swoops in and he grabs it because you go, it can't be that true. That's going to cost me too much. And he swoops in and he takes it away. Be careful how you're hearing this morning. 
Oh, I pray that your heart would not be like the path and the seed is just settling on top right now and Satan is taking it away. Oh, I pray that would not be you today. Be careful how you hear the Word of God. Thomas Watson once said this, the devil is not the, is not the one who refuses to come to church. He attends, but not with any good intent. He takes away the Word from men. How many have been robbed of the sermon and their souls both at once. How many have been robbed of the Word of the Kingdom and their soul at once. Because their hearts are hard and they reject Jesus and they push it away and Satan swoops in and takes it. Notice the text continues, verse 13. And the ones on the rock are those when they heard the Word, received it with joy. There's an emotional response. This is great. This is good. This will fix all of my problems. This will make life easier for me. But notice... They have no root. It's momentary, surface, affirming what is true and what seems to be true about Jesus. It's keeping Him at arm's distance but being happy He's in your life. Notice, they believe for a while, but then in a time of testing, fall away. Now this testing is generic. It normally refers to persecution for being a Christian. But it can refer to any kind of suffering, sickness, or death, or persecution. And it proves that the faith is not real. There's no root there. It, it didn't go below the surface of the person. It, it was probably just exterior. It was emotive. Yes, this sounds good. I like it. And there was a response, but it, it did not sink in. It happened at the youth camp. Carmen... Music playing in the 80s. She went to youth camp in the 80s. That song with Jesus and the Satan in a boxing match. And you heard that and you were fired up for Jesus. Or maybe more recently, Chris Tomlin, Oceans. You were at the fall getaway. And, oh man, this is great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow Christ. For some of us, it was a revival meeting just as I am cranked up for about the 10th time. <laughs> and that preacher wasn't going to settle for anybody. You had to come. Somebody else has got to come. I know you're there. Come on down. Free pizza for those who would sign a card. Come on down. <laughs> and it sounded good. It sounded great. And then you went back to school and none of your friends were Christians. And then you got sick. And then relationships became difficult. Marriage was hard. Kids were still bad. You had a lot of bills to pay that you couldn't pay. And there was struggle. And this Christianity thing didn't fix it. And so you moved on to something else. It was like a pill you took that didn't work like a change in your medication that didn't fix the problem and you just sort of moved on Jesus was a quick fix for you and it didn't work and I know people that go through that process over and over and over and over and over and over and over again in those moments at the youth camp and the revival and the church service they're, they're like some incantation that they go through time and time again because they're trying to make it work but Jesus is a prop 
Jesus is a tool to give them what they want, and they don't believe in Jesus. And then he says, verse 14, and as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. Now, notice the way that's phrased. Zero in there, because this is probably the, the, the most common way we see the Word of God rejected. He says they go on their way. I mean, they just go back to living life. That's, the way, that's what he's talking about. They just go their way. They, they say they believe in Jesus, and then they just do whatever they want. And then he says the cares of this world, meaning just the everyday occurrences that happen, a busy schedule, the riches and pleasures of this life, the economy of paying bills or pursuing wealth or pursuing a name, what he refers to here that, that, that chokes out the gospel is just life. It could be the kegger in college. It could be the frat house that choked out the gospel. Or it could just be you had kids and you started paying bills started going to the grocery store, shopping, marriage was hard, life got going, and you just got too busy for Jesus. That's the way he just, it's just life. You believe in Jesus, and then you just do whatever you want. You just go your own way, and life overwhelms the gospel. It chokes it out, and it chokes it out, notice, with thorns. Notice how it chokes it out. They just grow up, and so slowly choke out what is real and true about the gospel, and you don't even feel it, and you don't even know it. And sooner or later, you wake up and you say, am I, I don't think I really believed. That wasn't real. I haven't been to church in years. I haven't opened my Bible in years. I haven't been around Christians in years. That's the way that happened. Just the cares of this world. You were invited to church. You came in here. You said, these are the nicest people I've ever met. This is the most welcoming church that I've ever been to. And church met a need in your heart for community. It met a need. And you got plugged in. You started going to BFG. You, you served during VBS. You, you started serving for a little while. And then you didn't, it wasn't really wasn't about Jesus. It was just about what was happening here. And then your kid got sick one Sunday. And then the next Sunday you said, man, I'd really like to sleep in. And then the next Sunday you said, man, I just don't feel like getting up. The next Sunday there was a ball game. And then you were invited to the women's thing and you turned that invitation down. You, I was just too busy. And then, before long, what had happened? The cares of just everyday life just choked out anything that was real there. Just choked it out. You woke up one morning, you said, I haven't looked at my Bible in months. And you flipped over to Twitter instead. Then you flipped to Facebook. And then you went to Instagram. And then you went back to Twitter. And then you went to Facebook and then you went to Instagram, and then you checked your text messages, and then you got up and went to work. And you did that day after day after day after day after day. And that's what happens. 
Just life chokes out the kingdom in your heart. It slowly creeps in. And you realize that you just tried to tack Jesus on. That's the kind of faith he's describing here. It's someone who comes to Jesus and just tacks them on for a while. It's like putting a Christmas tree in your living room for a season. It's the thing to do at Christmas, right? To have a Christmas tree. You should. You should have lights everywhere at Christmas. But it's just a season in your life where it makes sense. And Jesus was the same thing. It made sense for a little while, but you never really believed in Jesus. That's the point of these three uh, hearts. That's the point of the soil that it lands on here, the rock, the thorns. That's the point. It's not about Jesus. It's not about the kingdom. You're missing the king. It's about something else. And you're trying to tell Jesus what to do and who He should be for you. But then, here is the good news. Notice verse 15. There is good news. Some of you are depressed. There's good news. If, if I just described you, there's still good news for you. Because you don't have to stay in the thorns. And you don't have to stay on the rocky path. You don't have to stay there today. You don't have to stay within Satan's bullseye. There's good news for you. Notice verse 15. As for that in the good soil, good means whole, perfect, rich, complete. They are those who hearing the Word of God hold it fast in an honest and good heart. It's real. It's genuine. It is the Word of the King and the Kingdom who has come to die for our sins, who is raised up, who will live forever, and He is your all in all, and you cling and you hold fast to Him no matter what in a real, genuine, good, whole heart of faith. And notice the point, and bear fruit with patience. The seed that produced a hundredfold, more than you could ever imagine is the word described there. You believe the Gospel and it implants in your heart and gives you more than you could ever fathom in a King that died for your sins and a promise you'll be raised from the dead in, in, in the truth and reality that you will rule and reign with Him forever more than you could ever imagine and you cling to it and you hold to it. it, it it's not just a momentary quick fix. It's, it's not just like every time you renew your subscription to iTunes. And I'm sure everybody here reads through all the terms of agreements on every internet contract you ever fill out, right? You scroll through it. You print it out. You highlight it. You underline it. Now what do you do? You scroll to the end and you check the box and you move on. Some of us are going to get in a lot of trouble doing that one day. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know anything about that. But that's the way Jesus was for it. Look, you just checked the box. You, you scrolled through. You didn't even realize what you were signing up for. And you checked the box and it was a momentary quick fix. But here, true faith endures. The word patient is endurance, perseverance. The Word of God plants in your heart where Satan can't get to it. You believe the Gospel and it begins to transform Everything you are. That's why true faith demands transformation in our life. 
If the Word of God is really planted in us, it's going to produce fruit and we're going to begin to look different. Our identity is going to change. We're going to live out this kingdom citizenship. Difficulty will not squelch it. It will make it more real. As we looked at in 1 Peter, like gold refined in a fire. That's what our faith will be through difficulty. Pleasures will not distract us from Jesus. True, that sees Jesus as Savior to save us from our sins will surrender to Him as Lord and Master and King and cling to Him as Sovereign Lord no matter what. That's what true faith is. It's not a bullet point. It's not a box you check. It's not a moment, not a prayer you pray. It's seeing a person whose name is Jesus and you see Him as Savior And if He can save you from your sins, then He is worthy to bow down to as King and Lord. And that's what you do and you follow after Him. And you endure. And you you believe in Him. You you continue to believe in Him. You continue to trust in Him. And, And Jesus says, if this has happened in your life, this is a work of God. You didn't just sit down and figure it out. This is a sovereign work of God where God opened your heart and He implanted the seed where nothing else could get to it. Where it would grow. Where it would not lose its fruit. Where it would continue to grow. And some of you have experienced that. You would say, I've gone through some very difficult seasons in my life. You've had loved ones who have died of cancer. You've lost your jaw. You've had your kids rebel and it's broken your heart. You've gone through some horrible times where you didn't know if you had any friends. Some of us, even as Christians, have gone seasons of our life where where we were tempted and where we would try to walk away from Jesus. As the song says, we're prone to wander. And yet, the root of our faith in Jesus just kept pulling us back. Sometimes it was paper thin, but it just kept pulling us back. And he says, that's what happens when the kingdom implants deep in your heart. It grows. Some of us, we got down on our knees with our mom as a small child next to our bed, and we prayed to receive Christ as Lord and Savior and the kingdom implanted in our heart. Some of us were at that goofy youth event. We had a really goofy youth pastor who used a really corny illustration and a lot of people in here are looking at John Martin right now. <laughs> and we just believed the gospel despite the corniness. And the seed of the gospel planted into our hearts. Some of us, it was just last week after the campus ministry meeting, we had a roommate Ask us in our dorm room, did you understand what they were talking about tonight? Have you ever followed Jesus and the seed of the Word implanted in your heart and it is beginning to grow and it is beginning to flourish, but He describes what it means to truly believe. And there's two points of application here today. The first of us is for us as a church. We just keep sowing the seed. We just keep sowing the seed. We just keep throwing it out with Jesus. The sower leads us and we follow Him. We preach sermons. We have Awana. We have BFG. We have men, women's ministries. We have campus ministries. We have weddings. We have funerals. We have counseling sessions. We have coffee with friends. 
There's all kinds of settings this week where we will throw that seed out there and we're going to keep throwing it out there. We're going to keep throwing out the truth that Jesus is Savior and King and we're going to throw it and throw it and throw it and we're going to pray that God brings forth the fruit and we're going to trust Him to do so. We're not going to try to fabricate responses. If you've ever grown anything in a garden, tomato plant, you put the seed in the ground and you do everything you can. You fertilize it. You throw chemicals on it. You do whatever it takes. Some of you don't like the chemicals, but you do whatever it takes to get that tomato plant to grow. And then you just have to watch and see what's going to happen. And that's what we do. We sow. We love. There are people in your life who you need to keep throwing the seed at. And you need to love on them. And you need to pray that God opens up their heart. You're merciful to them. You forgive them. And what God might be doing in that moment is softening their heart. When you speak the gospel, it's going to implant deep because you have aerated and you have plowed and you have tilled that ground with love, service, and mercy and prayer. You have prayed Satan away from their heart and you pray that that seed goes deep. The truth is God's doing amazing things here at our church. Folks coming here, we're blown away by it. We don't even understand how or why it happens. And yet, we realize that the seed's not going to grow deep in every heart. But we're going to keep throwing it out. We're going to keep throwing it out and we're going to keep praying. And we're going to keep working hard to see an increase in the crop before us. And there are folks in your life that way that you need to, you need to get on your knees today. You, you've been casually talking to them about Jesus. And you need to get on your knees today and pray that God would do something only He can do in their heart. Get on your knees and ask. Don't, don't just go today, oh, they have a heart of path. They have a heart of rocks. They have a heart of thorns. No, you get on your knees today and you ask God to, to rip away those thorns, to dig deep and plow into their heart with the gospel. That's what we're to do is keep throwing the seed. And the main point for every single person in this room who hears my voice in these moments is you be careful how you hear. You. Some of you are thorny soil and you don't realize it right now. Some of you are path soil and you don't realize it right now. Some of you are the bullseye of Satan who's going to sweep in and take the words you've heard today. You don't realize it right now. You be careful how you hear. Because I know how we read this. We immediately, in every section, think of at least ten people who fall in that category. Who aren't here. They're not here. They don't hear anything. What difference does this sermon make to them? They're not here. You're here. I'm here. You deal with this word today. How are you hearing the Word of God? Pray that this would be lasting in your heart. Pray that you would genuinely see Jesus as Lord and King and you would follow after Him. Realize the danger that it is possible to hear and not hear and see and not see. And this isn't a, this isn't a sermon of doom and gloom and judgment, okay? The good news is that you have the opportunity to hear and believe. And again, it's not something where you go, I'm going to make sure, I'm going to make sure I'm not in the faulty soil. And you're thinking, I'm just going to have some grit. I'm just going to make, you can't do that. 
It's not about your personal grit. It's not about you doing something else. It's about you stopping and believing. It's about you stopping in your tracks right now and understanding who Jesus is. If you hunger today for something more than the status quo, I've got good news for you. It's Jesus. If you're here today and you said, I can't be good enough. I'm trying so hard to do better. And it's not working. It's not working. I don't feel better about my past life. I don't feel better about my sin. I still live with a sense of guilt. I've got good news for you. You can believe today and trust in Jesus and produce the crop of the kingdom. And it can all change in this moment. It can change right now if you would see Jesus for who He is. He is God's Son who took on flesh and He lived a perfect life. A life you could never live. That's great news. You're trying so hard. You can't do it. But Jesus did it. And you don't want to die for your sins. You don't want to pay for your sins. You can't. Millions and millions of years in heaven and you would still be in infinite debt for your sin. And yet in one moment on the cross where the Father forsook the Son and Jesus bore His wrath and He paid the penalty for you so that you wouldn't have to pay for your sin, you can believe in Him and be forgiven of your sins right now. And you can have the promise that though you will be laid in the ground, Jesus will raise you up and you will rule and reign with Him forever. If you would believe that is true and you would surrender to Him as Lord and Savior today, oh, then Jesus just described your heart as good soil. And it's happening all across the room right now. It's happening. Some of you came in here today and you're just, just not, you don't know what it is and then it just made sense. Well, I pray that would be all of us today. I pray that would be everyone here today. I pray that we would all be careful how we hear. I pray that we would all see Jesus as Savior, as King. I pray that we would all have ears to hear. Let's pray.